Well, this morning we're going to focus on that Savior. If you brought a Bible, I want to invite you to take it and turn to probably the second most well-known chapter in the Word of God. Behind Psalm 23, there is John 3. We're going to look this morning at John chapter 3. John 3 contains a wealth of theology and information, but mostly it's known for Jesus' meeting with Nicodemus, their conversation about being born again. As we continue thinking about the need to start over, what better person to talk about than Nicodemus? Nicodemus came to Jesus. He's filled with confusion. He was trying to figure it all out, trying to put it all together. The things that he had been hearing, the things that had been said, the teachings that had been offered. He, he's trying to get it figured out. Jesus looked at him and, and being Jesus, he saw his heart. He knew his confusion. And so Jesus cut to the chase. He went straight to the heart of the matter with this struggling seeker after truth. And folks, understand something. Nicodemus wasn't the average guy walking down the street. This man was educated. He was trained. He was a man among men in the Jewish community, a Pharisee, a theologian trained to, to know the law and to live the law. That's what he was all about, a ruler among the Jews, a member of their high court, the Sanhedrin, an exclusive council that oversaw matters of life and law and even dabbled sometimes in politics. Imagine a court doing that man he was a student of the law he was a teacher of the law he was a, a man who had how do we say this he he had a very religious exterior but Jesus saw the interior he saw what was happening on the inside with this man's heart and they had an amazing conversation and I want us to read a portion of that conversation this morning so if you've got your Bible open, John chapter 3, we're going to begin at verse 1, and we are going to read down through the most well-known verse in Scripture, John three sixteen. If you've got your Bible open there, if you can and will, I'm going to invite you to stand with me in honor of the reading of God's holy word. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher who's come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you're doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. How can a man be born again when he's old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he's born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You're Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things? I tell you the truth, we, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we've seen, but still, you people do not accept our testimony. I've spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? 
No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came down from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Now, I just want you to stop for a moment. If you've got your Bible open, put your finger in. Stay there. We're going to be there. But I want you to look up. And I want you to read this with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Would you pray with me? Father, I just ask this morning you bless the reading of your word. As we ponder the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, I pray that you would speak truth into our hearts. Help us to see, to know, to understand, and to embrace your truth. And if there is one, even one in this room who does not know you, I pray, Father, that today that wonderful mystery would occur, that your spirit would call, that your word would speak, that you would draw, and that today would be the day of salvation. Father, I thank you for our Lord Jesus, for the sacrifice he made, and for the love he continues to extend even to this day. Speak now, for we are ready to listen. But we pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. We're not going to leave John chapter 3, so if you've got your Bible open, I just invite you to stay there with me. One of the comes in conversation this was. Nicodemus comes to Jesus. A lot of people have, have wondered and they, they want to discuss, they want to debate, why, why did he come to Jesus by night? Why at night? Well, why did it happen that way? I'm not sure, folks. I mean, we can come up with all kinds of theories. Maybe he feared criticism because people would see him come. And, and I mean, here he is, a Pharisee, a leader of the Jews, and he's coming to this itinerant rabbi with no education. Maybe he was looking for a private conference and, and he knew that Jesus was surrounded by crowds all day long, every day, and the only time to have any quiet moment with him would be to come to him at night. Maybe he wanted to ask some questions and he was embarrassed to ask because people would think, he can't answer that. What's wrong with this guy? You know, I kind of came to a conclusion this week that maybe it was simply this. John wanted us to know that no matter who you are, no matter how well trained or taught you might be, no matter what level of education you may have attained, here's the reality. No matter who you are, we all, until we meet Jesus, dwell in darkness. And here was this man, educated, positioned, cultured, but he had to come out of the darkness to the light. And when he did, he had some glorious truths shared with him. And I want us to look at those truths together. And this is going to be a simple message. You say, well, I've heard John 3.16 preached so many times. I got news for you. I have preached John 3.16 a lot of times, too. But it never gets old. The message is always glorious. It always gives us hope. It always shows us the reality that our God does love. But I want to point out three things today. 
I want you to see them with me. Three things that I think we all need to learn. The first thing is that we can learn the must of the new birth. The must. And I know people say, well, wait a minute, that doesn't even make sense. Yes, it does. It does because Jesus said, you must be born again. Listen, there wasn't any reason for Jesus to discuss, debate, or argue theology or religion with Nicodemus. It wasn't going to get him anywhere. Nicodemus was well-trained in school, and in his mind, he had the answers. But the questions he was asking, he could not answer. And so Jesus went straight to those questions. You must be born again. There is a must in it. It's not a maybe. It's not an if. It's not an option. We say, well, why must we be born again? Well, if you want to understand the kingdom of God, you must be born again. Jesus said no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. So if you want to understand the kingdom of God, you have to come to God his way. Listen, Nicodemus had all day logical training, but he didn't understand the things of God. Reminds me of a lot of people I meet today. They've got all kinds of answers. They've read the book. They've been in church. They've heard the stories. They can tell me about a certain verse or a certain story in Scripture. They can sing some of the songs. They can even say a prayer that sounds good. But they don't know God. Here's a reality, friend. Nicodemus knew about God, but he didn't know God. Can that happen? Oh, yeah. How do you know it? Well, he didn't understand these things Jesus was trying to explain. Paul addressed this very thing in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. You remember in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, Paul said, The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. He can't understand them. Why? Because they're spiritually discerned. And until you're a born-again believer and the Spirit takes up residence in your life, the things about spiritual truth don't make any sense. It's kind of like you look at it and think, that doesn't make any sense. It's an amazing thing. I've had people tell me, you know, I was lost and I was 30 years old. And, and people were telling me things about the Scriptures and people were telling me things about God. And I kept looking at them thinking, that makes no sense. And then one day Jesus confronted me and I gave my life and my heart to him. I surrendered my will to his will. He became my savior. And then people would say those same things. And I say, oh yeah, oh yeah. All of a sudden, it made up sense. All of a sudden, those things about God that, that people were sharing with you that didn't add up at all, all of a sudden, they're absolutely true and you know it without any equivocation. There is no question in your mind or in your heart. Truth becomes your reality. Why? Because the Spirit of God is in you and He is giving you understanding. He is giving you discernment. He is giving you the ability to know that what you are hearing about God is real. That doesn't happen apart from a relationship with Christ. If you want to understand the kingdom of God, you must be born again. But don't stop there. If you want to enter the kingdom of God, you must be born again. You don't get into God's kingdom without being born again. Verse 5, what did Jesus say? No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Listen, friends. This new birth thing we're talking about, it's not about academic achievement. It's not about your intellectual level. I'm not saying any of those things are bad, but those are not the things that are going to get you into the kingdom of God. You become a Christian by coming to God on God's terms. You don't get to set the rules. 
You don't get to say, well, I want to come to God, but I was going to do it this way. And I, no, God sets the terms. You come to him on his terms. What does that mean? That means you're going to have to acknowledge that you're a sinner. It means you're going to have to acknowledge you need a Savior. It means that you're going to have to repent. That's the word everybody gets hung up on. I'm just telling you right now. Brother Lauren, I don't know. Are you in here this morning? Yeah. He, he, listen, he has hammered me. I don't know how many times through the years. Nobody's preaching on repentance. He's made me preach on repentance more times because I just had to prove a point to him. We must repent. It's part of being born. If there's no repentance, there's no salvation. If we don't turn from our sin, we are not turning to the Savior. We come to him acknowledging our sin, acknowledging who he is, acknowledging our need, turning from our sin, turning to the Savior. Listen, that's God's terms. You come that way, he'll receive you. He will accept you. And I know that there are people out there today teaching theology lessons saying, well, no, it doesn't work like that. Don't be so quick. You can't do this and God's going to accept you. Yes, you can. And I'm going to tell you why. It's not an argument. It's not something we have to divide over. Here's the reality. I'm looking at it from one direction. They're looking at it from another direction. They're saying, well, unless God calls. Exactly. And no one is going to admit they're a sinner. No one is going to acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. No one is going to repent. No one is going to run to Jesus unless God is calling them. God. So whether you look at it from this way or you look at it from that way, we're both headed toward the same thing. God sets the rules, and we must do what he calls us to do when he calls us to do it if we are to receive that which he offers. Well, I'd like to try it another way. Let me, think, let me try to put this in theological terminology so you can understand it. No! Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You don't get to pick and choose. You don't get to find another way. You don't get to try to build another bridge or take a detour around. Nothing is going to get you into the kingdom of God except Jesus Christ and him alone. You must be born again. So when we start talking about getting a new start, there is a must. The must of the new birth. But it's not enough to get that. We have to understand that some of it's not understandable. It truly is a mystery. And I want to talk for a minute about the mystery of the new birth. See, Jesus addressed this himself when he was in Nicodemus, and he did it in several different ways. I mean, in Nicodemus, he, he was already struggling with it. He asked Jesus, he said, how can a man be born again when he's old? Surely he, he can't enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. And, and here's Jesus looking at him. I can just picture his face. This guy is so educated. He's learned so much. How can he be so foolish? How can he not get this? Spirit was not in him yet. He had not been born again. He didn't have that understanding. He did not have that discernment. What he didn't understand was the difference between a relationship and religion. He was highly religious, but he had no relationship with God. And this concept of being born again was full of mystery and intrigue to him, and he just didn't get it. And so Jesus tries to explain the mystery a little bit. And I could approach this from two or three different directions. 
We could look at it from, from verse 6 where Jesus says flesh gives birth to flesh, the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. There are two births. It doesn't matter who you are. We, we all came into this world through a fleshly birth. We all did. And there are no exceptions to that, period, including Jesus himself. But that does not make you a believer. And oh, I think this is a great place to park the truck for a minute. I think it is awesome if you have godly moms and dads. I think it is awesome if you've got grandparents that love Jesus and share Jesus and tell you about Jesus and teach you about Jesus. I think that's awesome. I'm blessed. I, I had Christians on either side of my family, and my parents were wonderful Christian people. And they took me to church. They made sure that I was given every opportunity to learn. We were talking about this last night. Man, I was in Bible school. I was in Sunday school. I was in RAs. I wanted to be in GAs. I really wanted to hang out with the girls. I thought that sounded kind of cool. But God didn't give me that opportunity. But I want to tell you something. The fact that my parents, my grandparents were believers, that didn't make me a Christian. I don't care how godly the heritage of your family tree is. You are not born of the Spirit until you are born of the Spirit. It can't happen through someone else. No one else can do it for you. It's about you and your relationship with Jesus Christ. Truly, this is a mysterious thing, and it's the Spirit of God who brings this all to pass. But I, I want you to just take a, a look at the Word of God with me for a moment. In verse 8, he says, the wind blows wherever it pleases. Now, folks, we're sitting in Wichita, Kansas. There are a lot of things we don't understand in the Word of God, but when he starts talking about wind, he's in our, our ballpark now, isn't he? We get this wind thing. We can't see it. Oh, we can hear it. Can't we, Andrew? You were telling me about a window in your house that was whistling the other night. Yeah, we can hear it. Sometimes we've sat in this very room. Some of you can share this with me. We've heard this building going... And we're looking at the roof and saying, okay, Lord, it's in your hands because it's rocking. And I mean, that wind is going 50 and 60 miles an hour, and we're just praying for God to keep us anchored where we are. We hear. We can see the effects. I was visiting with somebody a while ago. We were talking about the parking lot out over here. Y'all know it rained and rained and rained before it started freezing the other night, Right? If you went out there on that parking lot, do you know what it looked like? A bunch of little bitty waves. Because there was water on that parking lot, and the wind was pushing that water as it began to freeze. And so you've got ice that's going like this. It looks like waves out there. Little bitty waves. That's the evidence of the wind. You see, we can't see the wind, but we can see the evidence of it. We can hear it. And oh, by the way, if you were out yesterday, you could feel the wind. I mean, it would go right through your pants and just bite you on the leg like a dog. So we may not be able to see it. We can feel it. We can hear it. We can see the evidence of it. And here's Jesus saying, this is what the Spirit of God's like. You're not going to see him. But you're going to see what he's doing. 
You may not hear him, but others are going to hear him. Everyone is going to hear him eventually. At some point in time, listen, I'm going to tell you something. I know without a question that when God called me to preach when I was a 14-year-old boy, I heard the voice of the Spirit of God. It was as clear to me as it could possibly be. It was as clear to me as what my voice is to you right now. Do not turn your hearing aid off. I knew that the Spirit of God was speaking to me. He was calling me. He was directing me. He had a purpose for me. Can't see the Spirit. But we can hear Him. Not all the time. But in those moments when He speaks specifically to us, we hear Him. We can see what He's doing. Across decades in ministry, I have watched people's lives be so gloriously transformed by the power of Christ. I have watched people who thought they were going to die with a bottle attached to their lips walk away from it and never take another drink again. I have watched drug addicts drop their drugs and walk away never to use again. I have had couples come into my office and say, Preacher, we've been living together, but you know what? Since we met Jesus, we figured out this isn't how we're supposed to be living. Can you help us? Absolutely. we got a license. Let's do this thing. I have seen Jesus change lives time after time after time. I may not see the Spirit working, but I see the evidence of Him working. And we ought to, as brothers and sisters in Christ, see the evidence of Him working in one another's lives. See, this is that glorious mystery. I'm not sure how it is that God speaks to people sometimes. I'm not, I'm really not. You know, I, they're, they're t- listen, when you preach out of John 3, 16, it's not going to surprise you. Somebody says, I need, I need Jesus. Okay. But listen, I've had Sunday mornings when I preached on tithing and people gave their hearts to Christ. Go figure that one out. I thought God was going for their billfold and he got their heart. His aim is better than mine. preached on a number of things that had nothing to do, I didn't think, but the way that the Spirit of God took the Word of God and applied it to the hearts of His people, it changed things. I don't know how the Spirit speaks. All I know is He does. And all I know is that we are responsible to take the Word of God and share that Word and give it to people and let the Spirit of God take it and apply it to people however He chooses to do so. It is a mystery, but it's a glorious mystery, and it's a God mystery. And until that mystery occurs in your life, you will not experience new birth. Because you don't come when you want, you come when He calls. You don't come because you desire, you come because He draws. And if you want to, and you are hungering for it, and you feel drawn to it, understand it's not what you're doing, it's what the Spirit of God is doing in you in that moment. It's okay. You must be born again. It's a mysterious thing that God does. And I'm not sure exactly how it triggers. I'm just so thankful that it does because it changed my life. I don't know what I would have grown up to become had I not been saved as a little boy. But I'm going to tell you this. It wouldn't have been this. But God had a plan. And he spoke and I heard. And by the grace of God, I obeyed. Haven't always obeyed. None of us do. But that glorious mystery came to pass. Now, I need to end, but I haven't got third point out there yet, so you just going to have to live with it because we're going to do this, all right? We must be born again. 
It is a mystery. We struggle to understand it. Even when we've experienced it, we still struggle to understand. How could God love a sinner like me? How could he forgive everything that I've done, the things I've said, the thoughts I've had, the attitudes I've poured out on people? How could God? I don't know. It's a mystery. But he does it, and he loves us, and he changes us after he calls us and makes us his own. But there's something you've got to understand, and this is the point of the whole thing, and it comes all the way down to the very end of the passage in verse 16, that verse that we read together, the verse that most of you know by heart, and it simply is this, the method of the new birth. I want you to look at verse 16. You've got your Bible open. Look at it. For God so loved the world. For God. Let's just stop right there. Salvation is not about you. It's not about me. It's not about what we want or what we're going to do or how we're going to do it or what we're going to come. No. For God. Salvation always originates in the heart of God. He loves his creation. We are sinful. We are fallen. We are nasty. We are ugly. But he loves us just the way we are. He doesn't say clean up your life and come to me. He doesn't say turn over a new leaf and come to me. He doesn't say get it all figured out, get your house in order, get your job in order, get your finances in order, and then come to me. No, he says come to me, I'll fix it. Come to me. For God, it starts with him. It always starts with him. For God, look at this, so loved the world. Thank you. I remember when I was a child in Sunday school, singing, red and yellow, black and white, they're all precious in his sight. Not just people that look like us. Not just people that dress like us or eat like us or live like us or talk like us. No. Jesus loves the little children of the world. All of them. Even the ones that sometimes we look at, I don't know if I trust those people. Get over yourself. God loves them. For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave. He gave what we can't give. There's not anyone in this room who can give the purchase price of redemption. There's not one person in this room who is sinless and perfect, who can give their life, give their heart, and it be sufficient, it be adequate to pay the price for the sins of others in this place. But God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Listen to him. That whoever believes in him will not perish. <laughs> Anybody here want to live forever? Yeah, I think that's a song. Say amen. Never perish, but have everlasting life. Life with him forever. That's the method. It's from God through Jesus to you. To me, to us. Oh, by the way, to everybody else out there. This past Thursday, I went down to the rehab center with Brother George for a worship service down there. 
I shared with him afterward. I said, Brother George, you taught me something today. Something, I mean, the Spirit of God just, boom. John chapter 13, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. Jesus washed feet. He and his friends had the Last Supper. He dipped the sop. He gave it to Judas. Told him, go do quickly what you must do. And there's a statement there. And that next statement, I mean, I just, I was sitting back there in the back, like some of y'all in the back row. And, and it just, it and he stopped me dead. Because here's what it said about Judas when he got up and went out. It says this. And it was night. And it was night. And I thought to myself, I've spent the last two weeks working on a sermon about a man who came out of the night into the light. And here's a man who left the light and went into the night. Friend, listen to me. Sometimes we come into a place like this and we sit and we listen and we absorb a message that maybe you've heard a hundred times or a thousand times before. And the Spirit of God may be speaking to you and He may be calling you and drawing you right now and you're sitting there and saying, I've felt this before. It'll pass. I'm just hungry. And some of you right now are as close to being in the light as you may ever be. And I know the sun's shining, the sky's blue out there, but when you walk out, you're going back to the night, back to the darkness. Don't do that. Turn around and come to the light. Turn around and find your way to Jesus. Turn around and come have this conversation with him. Let him show you. It's not let him teach you. Let him explain to you. He said, but it doesn't make any sense. That's because the Spirit's not there yet. When you come to him and you receive him and he receives you, the Spirit will indwell you. All of a sudden, you're going to say, oh, so that's what that means. That's right. Because he reveals the mystery. Listen, what Jesus did with Nicodemus that day, that night, it was a new beginning. A new start. This religious man got to start over. It's a miracle. But it's a miracle whether that happens with a religious man who's trained and educated or whether it happens with a child who's just now starting to learn the stories of the Word of God. It's a miracle. The Spirit of God takes the Word of God and awakens a soul, convicts a heart, draws an individual, and then He gives new life. It's always a miracle. It doesn't matter who they are or where they've been or what they've done. It's always a miracle when God gives new life. The Apostle Paul experienced it. He got it. He said, listen, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things are gone. Everything has become new. The question is, have you experienced that? If you have, I can tell you something. You ought to be rejoicing in your salvation today. You ought to be experiencing and living in the joy of the Lord every day. Good times and bad. But if you haven't experienced that, I'm pleading with you this morning. Don't walk back out into the darkness. Come to the light. Say, why would you call that the light? 
Because Jesus did. Remember what he said? I am the light of the world. Would you come to the light? You may be sitting here and saying, I, I, I want to. I need to. I know that. It, it's, it's clear. The Spirit's revealing that to me, but I don't know what to do. We're going to make this easy. In just a moment, we're going to stand together. We're going to sing a song of commitment, surrender. I want to invite you when we do that. If you need that relationship, if you want to meet him, if you want to come into the light, come take me by the hand. I will not embarrass you. I will not put you on the spot. But I'd love to show you from the word of God how today you can become a child of the king. Do quickly what you must do. Let's bow our heads together. Father, I thank you today for your word. I thank you for the message that you give us. The call that is there. The reality that we know. That we are invited to become even your children. Lord, even, even the, the smart, the educated, the trained, the intellectual among us don't have all the answers. No, the answers come when we become yours. The answers come when we surrender to you and your spirit take up residence in our lives. And perhaps this morning, perhaps this morning, there's someone in this room. You're calling them. You're drawing them. You've convicted them. All that remains is for them to say, yes, I surrender. Father, I pray, pull them to yourself this morning. Do the work that only you can do. Pastor can't do it. Church can't do it. None of us can do it. But you can. Pull them to yourself. And do in their lives that which will bring glory and honor to you. Father, if we are your children, I pray that today you would give us a spirit of rejoicing. That would draw us back into your presence celebrating what you've done in our hearts and our lives and what you continue to do day by day. And Father, in a few moments when we leave this place and we go back out into the darkness, I pray that your light would shine out of us to impact everyone around us. Father, now in this moment, if you're calling, if you're drawing, Oh, be loud in the hearts and minds of the people that they might surrender to you. For I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.